Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You had to act <laughs> by the sink a lot. a lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right. Doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Disciplining you. <laughs> Amazing. In some way. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone. Testosterone fueled again. Maximize your masculinity today at choq.com. Use the code Jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life. Choq.com code Jesse. Limited time offer. Subscription cancelable at any time. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm going to go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. 
For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. I'm going to ask you something, and I want you to be honest, and if you have an answer, that's fine. As quickly as possible, tell me what Joe Biden's campaign is about. Tell me what it's about. Let's not, let's not minimize this. And, and I realize I'm as guilty as anybody else at poking some fun at Joe Biden and Kamala Harris about how crazy they are. I mean, look, they're leftists. They can't help it if they're insane. But what is the campaign platform? What's it actually on? I don't know. I don't know what it is. And that worries me a lot. Because... We can't send a blank slate into the White House, can we? And we should not minimize this. And I know we don't minimize it, but I think we, it gets lost in the shuffle sometimes how important being president of the United States of America is. This is a big, big deal. A big deal. And I still... I can't wrap my mind around sending somebody who's clearly going downhill into the most important job in the world? Is that fair? Can we call the presidency the most important job in the world? I think we probably can. How in the world could we send that man into the White House? And remember this, the people around him. If Joe Biden is not sharp enough and strong enough to control the message, to control the direction then it's up to the people around him. And who are they going to be? I don't know. I do this for a living and I don't know. You don't know either. Nobody knows. I need to know who advisors are. I need to know who chief of staff is. And remember this too. In order to get the nomination for Democrat, let's rewind just a little bit. You remember the Democrat primary? There were like 9,000 socialists in it. And Joe Biden was kind of not doing well. He's behind in the polls. Bernie was the one slapping everybody around. And then a couple phone calls were made, and the field starts clearing out. All of a sudden, everyone just miraculously vanished from the field in the course over over a week. And there's Joe Biden left standing there. How do you think that happens? Do you think all those other egomaniacs who were running to be president of the United States, do you think they all the same week woke up one day and said, oh, wow. That was a good night's sleep. You know what? I'm done with this whole ambition thing. I don't want to be president anymore. Do you believe that? Or do you believe they were promised things? Come on, let's be adults here. You know what happened. So not only is Joe Biden too weak to fight off whoever his advisors are, doesn't have the mental capacity to overcome those advisors, he owes favors he owes favors to some extremely radical people. Who's going to be Joe Biden's secretary of state? Who's going to be his chief of staff? Who does Joe Biden owe favors to? Which position in the government is admitted socialist Bernie Sanders going to take over? These are things we have to talk about, right? And not, not, not to scare everybody, but... It's serious. 
I almost think, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I almost think I'd rather have Barack Obama back. At least I know what I'm getting. A blank slate scares me. A blank slate scares me because I don't get the man who got elected. I get all the people around him. I get his wife. What does his wife believe? And I, 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 don't, I don't take pot shots at first ladies very often here on the show, but she has been the one campaigning most of the time, doing TV interviews, holding Joe's arm, escorting him up onto the stage. Oh, the microphone's over here, Joe. Oh, good two-minute speech. All right, now go, go sit back over there. I'll give a speech. That's what it's been. What's she going to do? What does she believe? What are her policy positions? These are fair questions to ask. My question tonight is, if Joe Biden were to win, and there's a chance, let's be honest, what does the Joe Biden White House look like? Is it raising taxes? Nobody making less than $400,000 will pay a penny more in tax under my proposal. That's a promise. That's a guarantee, a promise. I give you my word as a Biden. That's an absolute guarantee. And you think it's a good idea to raise taxes when the economy's in dire straits? Depending who you're raising them on. Look, if you're raising somebody who's making a billion dollars a year, it's not a problem that they pay 39.6%, which everybody should pay, raise another $90 billion. Doesn't it creep you out how Democrats talk about taxes? Of course, it's always that evil rich guy. Well, a billionaire. Remember with Obama, it was millionaire? Joe's even up, and that's just billionaires. Over 400,000 is not a billionaire, but be that as it may, isn't it creepy how they look at you? Keep in mind, that's how they look at you. I know well, you, you probably don't make that, but they look at you as if we're allowing you to keep so much. Well, we'll let you keep a little less. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Creeps me out. And again, what does Joe Biden believe? What is he going to do? Do you remember, and this really struck me, do you remember Joe Biden's answer about coronavirus and his plans and that second debate? It was, watch. Expectation is we'll have another 200,000 Americans dead between now and the end of the year. If we just wore these masks, the president's own advisors have told him, we could save 100,000 lives. And we're in a circumstance where the president thus far and still has no plan, no comprehensive plan. What I would do is make sure we have everyone encouraged to wear a mask all the time. I would make sure we move in the direction of rapid testing, investing in rapid testing. I would make sure that we set up national standards as to how to open up schools and open up businesses so they can be safe and give them the wherewithal, the financial resources to be able to do that. We, we have rapid testing. These are all things that are happening. But the part of that that really floored me, and man, if this doesn't just sum up our coronavirus response better than anything else, was Joe Biden, the man who might be president of the United States, holding a cloth mask up and waving it around. A cloth, ma cloth masks don't do anything. You can't find anybody that says they do. It's a piece of cloth. Holding it up and saying, if we would just wear these masks, everyone should wear these masks. If that doesn't completely define our placebo effect response to things. Stand six feet away from people. Oh, just put on this mask. Oh, I don't care if it's a handkerchief. Just put something on your face. I don't, I don't think that's how viruses work, but I don't know. 
I don't like the blank slate. The blank slate is what worries me. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I am right. All right, we got a good special, good guest for you tonight. We'll be back. Joining me now, former Congresswoman from New York and MD, and she's of the Independent Women's Forum, Nan Hayworth. Nan, we might as well get this out of the way right off the bat. What's your election prediction? Uh, well, I think President Trump is going to win. Uh, certainly win the Electoral College. Uh, don't know about the popular vote, but the way things are going in California with all the demonstrations that we see, even in Beverly Hills, I don't know. Uh, but uh, I think, and I think we'll keep the Senate. I think we'll pick up House seats, um, but I'm, you know, I'd love to see us uh, retake the majority, but I do think we'll pick up seats in the House. You don't think we'll take back the House? And if, look, if we don't take back the House, what does that mean for the next four years, or the, at least the next two years? Next two? Uh, well, it means more, uh, you know, contentious battles over uh, budget priorities, primarily, Jesse. There will be no major legislation that will be passed because, you know, we, the, the only, as you know, uh, the only thing that moves when uh, the... Uh, when there's a significant uh, opposition among uh, the uh, Senate House and White House in Washington, the only thing that moves are so-called must-pass bills that keep uh, money flowing to what the government pays for and uh, to make sure that uh, we raise the debt ceiling because we're going into big, big debt. Is it a bad thing that nothing's going to move? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd rather have Republican control of everything. Obviously, I'm a far right-wing hack, but I like when they can't pass budgets. I like that they can't pass another stimulus bill. I love gridlock. Right. Um, I agree with you. I would not. I'm one of those people who would not uh, be unhappy with a so-called government shutdown for as long as they wanted to do it. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it could come to that. Uh, you know, Jesse, I, I know we've talked about it many times before, but fundamentally, uh, our collective success as a nation, uh, in, politically and in every other way, depends on our electorate actually understanding uh, the economy and the role of government versus uh, uh, ourselves, the citizens, uh, in uh, generating wealth. Uh, and sustaining that wealth. And unless and until we all understand that, we're going to end up at frequent impasses. Nan, obviously, I, I think we have all neglected, myself included, to talk enough about Kamala Harris because she's not at the top of the ticket. But let's, let's be frank. We don't even have to be mean, although I'm mean. I know you are not. Joe Biden is not going to be president for four years. He cannot even function on the campaign trail. If he were to win, he's entering into the most stressful job in the United States of America. He's just not going to be able to do the job. No, he's not capable. So Kamala Harris, yeah. what is she? What, what should we expect? Uh, we should expect someone who uh, I think will essentially sell out to the highest bidder. Uh, although she is, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think Senator Harris has, uh, I'm not sure she has much in the way of convictions at all, philosophically. She's a chameleon. 
she's an opportunist. She's glib. She's uh, frivolous. Uh, she doesn't expect to be challenged. She expects that she will uh, literally like kind of flounce in and uh, be respected. And, you know, how, you remember how she just waved her hand and said, well, let's just do away with insurance. Right. Without any awareness whatsoever of what that means or what it would mean to put government in charge of all health care. You know, it wouldn't mean a government if it meant a government that said yes to everything that would be uh, that would bankrupt us in and of itself. But it could also very well be a government that says no to many things. Uh, that's the VA. In fact, in the VA, we had the worst of both worlds. We had it bankrupting itself and also saying no to our veterans. Yay! You know, so uh, she would she would be horrible. She would be a disaster. What she would do in foreign policy, I don't know. But she would hand it over, uh, presumably, or be dominated by people who have uh, significant financial interests uh, that they would proceed to uh, protect at the expense of the American people and the American worker. Should I be, and I know this is maybe a bit cynical, should I be happy that she's an ambitious opportunist, opportunist without any real beliefs? I would rather someone like that than a hard left ideologue like Barack Obama. At least she can be bought. Uh, perhaps, Jesse, you could look at it that way. I mean, you know, in the, uh, uh, you know, in the cynical sense, uh, yeah, you know, I'm not disagreeing with you. It's, it's, dismal to contemplate but yes <laughs> it is it's not good no all right nan earlier on this week we had a woman appointed to the supreme court i i see this and it was a great image up there of clarence thomas you know swearing in acb and it was this great moment and and people were talking about it all the time as soon as soon as she was put in there of the GOP is very clearly when it comes to race relations and gender relations very clearly the actual more progressive party and nobody talks about it do you see that or is that just a figment of people's imagination I mean the G GOP being the more progressive party mm -hmm. oh absolutely I mean I more more yeah. I should yeah no I agree with you I mean I I. <laughs> I never use the term liberal to describe the left. They're not liberal. We're the true liberals. That just gets very tricky when you're in Republican politics, as we all know. Uh, same with progressivism. Uh, the so-called progressives I call retrogressives. You know, they actually want to retrogress toward the state of tyranny that we had before we established the United States of America. So the true progressives, you're absolutely right, are the Republicans. And was it beautiful to have... Uh, a, a very talented woman uh, being sworn in by the nation's first black Supreme Court, actually not first black Supreme Court justice, I take that back, but our, our uh, black Supreme Court justice who is the senior member of the court. And I rejoiced as did many that now effectively in an awful lot of ways, this becomes the Thomas Court uh, and not a moment too soon. The, uh, amen, not a moment too soon. Why did John Roberts turn out to suck? Uh, um, I feel as though, I mean, the one word that comes to mind is corporatist. Uh, I just feel yeah. as though, yeah. yeah, I, I, I feel as though he, um, 
uh, the Obamacare decision obviously <laughs> was the one I think that deeply troubled a lot of us. Uh, it just felt as though he really bent over backwards to salvage that law on the merest of technicalities that was something close to a not, not quite a drafting error. Um, and I just think that uh, he does not have uh, the same convictions about the um, interpretation of the Constitution. Uh, that uh, the more originalist justices do. And it, their job is not to ensure that uh, laws stay in place no matter what, if they can come up with some contorted uh, solution to this, but to do their job uh, as representing the Constitution and going back to Congress and saying, we're sorry, but the law you wrote does not pass constitutional muster. You can write another one and pass another one, but this one uh, is, it, it, it's not something that we can have in the United States, not under this Constitution. Nan, we touched on Joe Biden a little earlier, just to wrap it up here. I, I, I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around not only his personal health, but his son's problems, which I'm not going to elaborate on this show. Many, many, it's a family show, so I'm not going to elaborate on all that. But his son's problems and his own mental health. Right. How in the world do the people around him allow him to do this? Talk about exposing yourself and your family to scrutiny they didn't need. You know, I... Uh... Jesse, I like you. I, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm very active in social media. I don't talk about Hunter Biden's, you know, I, he deserves our compassion for uh, what seems to be, you know, mental illness and mental distress, you know, but what he doesn't deserve is great big jobs that uh, involve uh, the national security of the United States uh, and for which he's being very handsomely remunerated despite his uh, apparent lack of qualifications. Uh, and yes, that should concern us all uh, in terms as well of uh, his father's role in all of this, which seems to have been uh, quite distinctive and something about which Joe Biden has lied. I do think that he is showing clear signs of dementia. I finally said that very definitively in social media. Uh, when he cannot render the name of the current president, and I don't care that he was talking with someone named George. That was not the way he was, uh, that wasn't what he was thinking about. That wasn't what he was speaking about. He was talking about the man he's opposing this election. And he started to say George Bush, basically. Uh, that's, he, he flunks a mental status test. So shame on the Democrats. Uh, shame on everybody involved in facilitating this charade. We've the the last time we saw anything like this, Jesse was with Woodrow Wilson, who was incapacitated by a stroke, and his wife Edith Wilson was effectively the president of the United States. Uh, but at that point, at least Woodrow Wilson had been elected. He was a horrible president anyway. Um, but that was wrong as well. But this is unconscionable. And the only recourse we have at this point, because the Democrats are, are just marching on with this, and we know they're they're planning on 25th Amendmenting Joe Biden should he be elected. I mean, Nancy Pelosi herself is not uh, necessarily at the peak of her uh, cognitive uh, powers either. At this point, she made it clear. Uh, so the only way we can do this is not to vote for Joe Biden, you know that you, you can't you can't vote for someone like that. Uh, and Kamala Harris would be a nightmarish uh, substitute. Nan Hayworth, you're the best. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Jesse Kelly. Anytime. Thank you. All right. We'll be back.
Joining me now, national security analyst Dave Reboy, pretty much my favorite guest I have on the show. Dave, before we get into all the other Biden stuff and everything else, I am of this belief, and I know you'll tell me if I'm wrong, you certainly right. have in the past, I'm of the belief that Florida is going to be solidly Trump. A lot of that's Trump. A lot of that's DeSantis. I believe Florida has moved into the fairly solidly red category instead of the coin flip category like it is every other time. Am I wrong? I think you're right. Uh, I was just, just before I got on the air, I was looking at a tweet of, um, uh, t- talking about uh, Palm Beach County early uh, uh, results coming in, early voting coming in. And uh, it, it's looking like the uh, like there the GOP is only behind 888 votes right now, and 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 there's a ton coming in um, every half hour. So it looks like something is changing. I can tell you on the ground here, things are definitely changing. You don't see a Biden sign, you know, south of Orlando, and this is traditionally blue. Uh, very, it's traditionally the blue part of the state. So. Um, I think something is definitely happening here in Florida for uh, for the Trump campaign. Break it down for me, Dave. Why? How did that happen? Why? Uh, it's kind of it's kind of complicated. I think uh, I think it has to do with many factors. Probably the biggest one is the uh, is the Latino vote or, or Hispanics. And uh, I think what, there's been a lot of talk about uh, why that happened. People are saying that it has to do with uh, with folks who are coming from Cuba and Venezuela who are sort of rejecting socialism. Um, and uh, and I think there's a, a bit of that, a bit of truth to that. Um, I also, but I think the biggest factor has been the riots and BLM and the fact that the Democrats have sort of gone all in on the uh the, the the blm anti-police uh thing and uh i think about 70 percent of the miami police department is hispanic everybody down here knows somebody or has someone in the family who is uh who is a, a law enforcement officer so they're they're in trouble with uh with that crowd and uh and it's a substantial uh part of the voting base in south florida is there a race component to that, Dave? I mean, I know nobody's allowed to speak basic truths anymore, but can we allow? Are we allowed to? Well, you know, I'll, I'll talk about it on this show anyway. Right. That in general, this is obviously not universal, but Latinos and Black people aren't exactly fast friends all across the United States of America. In many parts, especially many urban areas, they are mortal enemies. And that when you go all in and embrace Black Lives Matter, you're going to tick off the other people. Um. I think that's exactly what happened. I think that's exactly what happened, and it's a cautionary tale when it comes to uh, when it comes to putting together racial coalitions like the Democrats do, because at the end of the day, racial coalitions will fight one another. At the very least, they will compete for you know for, for resources against one another. So this is you know this is the Democrat policy of uh, of grievance mongering come home to roost. You know, Hispanics won't vote for um, you know won't vote for the Democrats because there's you know there's there's too much sort of BLM stuff going on, and and a lot of that has to do with race. But it's the you know it's the situation that uh, the, that the Democrats created for themselves. Speak to the speaking of holding you know holding these groups together. 
They're losing unions, aren't they? I realize they're not going to lose all the unions, certainly not the public sector unions. You know, right. Teachers unions are not going Republican anytime soon. But they are losing unions. Is it because of this Green New Deal stuff? What is it? Uh, I don't know. I think partly that has to do with, that has to do with in, in places like Pennsylvania where people actually work in you know, the coal industry or, or work in energy and in, in fracking, things like that. Uh, but the, the in the the bigger picture is, you know, I mean, exactly as you said, there is a difference. You know, when we talk about uh, people, union people, we talk about one type of person. You know, the per person that works in you know in the in the mine, in uh, in 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 Ohio somewhere, or or in Pennsylvania, versus a you know someone in the teachers union. Uh, who is, you know, kind of, I, let's say, comparatively a, a white-collar person um, working, you know, in a, in a very highly ideological industry. So this is, um, this, I guess, to be expected. It's to be expected when, when, uh, when these, these two groups really have very little in common. And uh, a lot of those voters, too, in, you know, traditional union voters, the way we think of them, um, they are they appeal to uh, or, or Trump appeals to them, you know, for a number of reasons, because at the end of the day, these folks are, are I mean, at the end of the day, these folks are conservatives. Maybe not economically, OK, but in temperament. OK, how does he appeal to why have they been Democrat for so long then if Trump appeals to them? Um, I I think I mean, that's that's a that's a big question. Um, I'm, I would. I would only have to guess. So I would I would guess that uh, that a lot of it is class resentment, a lot of it is inertia, is is sort of you know things that aren't necessarily real, but after generation and generation of of sort of hearing the political propaganda, they just assume it's real. Um, the same thing holds for Jewish voters or things like that. When uh, you know uh, people who vote Democrat sort of inexplicably only because basically they're voting for the party of someone that you know ran for office 50 years ago or 80 years ago you know a lot of a lot of people cling to the politics like their sports team and they don't notice that you know FDR has been out of office for a long time and JFK has been out of office for almost the same amount of time Dave, I had Inez Stepman on earlier this week, and she says the party, the, the parties are realigning big time, that the Democratic Party is becoming much more of a technocrat party that is leaving the working man behind. And she says the GOP is realigning as well. And I would not really thought about it in that way, but you think she's right? I, yeah, I think she's absolutely right. Um, and I think the way forward for the Republican Party is 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 more of that, you know, not more of that in a in a kind of demagogic way, but really to look out for America's middle class because definitely what the Democrats are doing is they're trying to screw the middle class in every conceivable way, um, from from economically uh, down to sort of ideologically with their um, you know with the woke nonsense. The woke nonsense hurts the middle class the most. You know, these these are, you know, because these are people who, if they confess that they're voting for Trump, they can lose their jobs and they don't have, you know, massive golden parachutes or, or 
you know, uh, fifty million dollars in Bitcoin um, to, uh, to 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 lean back on. I mean, they're real. They're really screwed when it comes to the uh, the, the culture war stuff and the SJW stuff too. So I think it's um, I think it's natural and necessary for the Republicans to sort of uh, embrace the middle class. And and you know, it, it doesn't mean you know, middle class, urban, or rural. I think since the uh, since the, uh, the the virus shutdowns and then also the riots, I think we've seen more and more that middle class urban folks, people who own businesses, you know, people who who try to to make ends meet and they've got expenses and payrolls to meet, these are natural Republican voters too. Um, at the end of the day, on especially on on economics and and as more as we see the the, the showdown. I was talking the other day about my my four favorite restaurants in Miami. Four, all four of them are closed. They were wonderful. They were very busy, but they're all gone. And these were beautiful places. But and and Florida is pretty much open now. So, but of course they couldn't make it. They couldn't last four months being with their doors closed. I mean, who can do that? What kind of business can do that? And um, I hope next week in this election, people will be able to look around and they'll be able to put two and two together and then see, you know, Joe Biden talking about more lockdowns and, and more fear of the virus, more this, more that. Um, and they sort of put two and two together and, and say, the the politicians that I vote for have consequences on my business, on my livelihood and on and, and, and with my lives, too. So I hope they, you know, people are putting two and two together. I think they are, and and I'm usually pessimistic, but now I'm quite hopeful. Dave Reboy, thank you, my brother. I appreciate you. You too. See you. We'll be back. Joining me now with the Media Action Network and LaCourt News, Ken LaCourt. Ken, I'm asking everybody, give it to me. Who's winning and why? You know, look, it's a tough one. I mean, the intellectual part of me says, you know, I used to study polls in grad school. Thanks. God, all they had to do was make some adjustments and they have it right. But, you know, I just I just can't can't get by with the notion that my own eyes are seeing the signs and the crowds and the and the whatnot. I think he pulls it out. I think he pulls it out in Pennsylvania, takes Arizona, whether he takes some of the uh, the formerly blue wall, he doesn't need to if he takes if he takes most of those. And uh, I, I think Trump's reelected. Okay. If, if he doesn't win, now I understand, I understand we're not going to do the doomsday thing, but if Trump doesn't win, I know you've been looking at this stuff for a long time and studying it for a long time. We talk on Wednesday, which we actually might talk on Wednesday. If we talk on Wednesday and Trump didn't win, why didn't he win? What's Ken the court saying on that day? Well, he, he didn't win because he lost a fight against the U.S. news media. 
I mean, look, he, he's not head to head with this old man who can barely put a sentence together and leave his, his basement. He is, he, it is, uh, Joe Biden is a proxy for the U.S. media in America. I mean, imagine, it's like, it's like, it's, it's like having a 50 mile an hour headwind. Um, um, so no, if, if he wins, this will be a, a victory eked out by the combined forces of the hipsters and, and the entertainment and all those that we always knew were liberal, but the full-throated support and fight of, of 90% of the U.S. media. We which love needs to be, Which needs to be replaced, which needs to be exposed, and, and conservatives need to stop getting involved in the politics and talking about every little race, and they need to start tearing down some of these news media and building up alternatives to them. Including online, Agreed. especially online. Agreed. Look, I love that you started the Media Action Network. I, I love this part of it. My question is, I understand the media is very powerful, even though we don't want it to be. And sometimes we lie to ourselves. and We're like, oh, nobody watches that. Actually, they do. It matters do. if everybody's saying the same thing. Is the media losing power, holding serve, gaining power? I just, my eyes tell me there are so many new outlets now the, the traditional ones still have a ton of power, but they're losing some. But is that wishful thinking? No, I think it's an... Look, they are still very, very powerful. They have never flexed their muscle in the way that they have here before. Four years ago, eight years ago, 12 years ago, they put their thumb on the scale. It, it was decent four years ago, but it, it's gotten full-throated now. So I, I'd say that the, the legacy media is, is, is losing some of its power, it, but, but it's still pretty darn strong. A lot of people get their news from cable boxes, and 40% and, and of the people who watch ABC and NBC national news and get their news that way are Republicans and who say, I get the most amount of my political news from these, these, these major sources. The one that's certainly gaining power in a way that we've never seen and never seen it, it, it exercise like this is Silicon Valley. I mean, four years ago, Silicon Valley just, you know, they were just, hey, you said something, we'll put it up. Now it's, he said that and take this down and boost this up and this guy disappeared and don't look at this thing behind the, behind the bushel. Silicon Valley is, is, you know, that's where most of our new media is, is, is being distributed through and they are, are abusing their power in a way like never before. Ken, we're talking about Joe Biden a lot tonight. And obviously this Hunter Biden, Joe Biden email thing is a little too complicated, in my opinion, to have the general public understand it. People just don't follow politics that closely. However, you bring up social media. Social media censored it. Everybody knows that. I've talked about it a million times. Then the GOP, United States senators, issuing threats, subpoena this, subpoena that. Then they did subpoena them earlier this week, and they're not backing off at all. They're doubling down. Doesn't that just say to you they're not scared at all that the GOP is actually going to do something? You know, I mean, first of all, the GOP, I mean, let's say Trump's reelected. Let's say he keeps the Senate. He still has to get things through the House. He doesn't. Have, I mean, he has the ability of doing some things as a as a president under executive order, but he's not going to. And and I think the the some of the lawsuits that are coming out from the DOJ are probably more hopeful for long term change than a bunch of senators yelling at somebody at a press conference. Look, those things don't mean much. Those hearings and it, it gives, you know, as much as I like Ted Cruz bashing the heck out of the new out of the new mountain man who's running Twitter. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't do anything for us. Um, um, this needs to be a sustained effort. There needs to be some smarter thinking. The whole 230 thing is is, is not something that's going to take us to Valhalla. 
but they definitely need to put some holes in this, and it's not going to be an easy thing at all. Look, then they're hugely powerful. I mean, imagine if you're Google and you have access to every U.S. senator's Gmail. Gee, you were, you you know you decide to stick your nose into the middle of that. You give me every Gmail account in Washington D.C. I could elect Jesse Kelly as the next president of the United States if mm. I chose to abuse mm. him, which I would. I don't think I don't think anybody could climb that mountaintop, Ken. There's just there's just <laughs> nobody. And in all seriousness, you bring that up. And I actually have had people, because that's just, you know, when you're on TV or doing radio or stuff like that, people are naturally going to say, why don't you run for office again? Or why don't you run for office? I am, while I want Trump to win, I'm rooting for Trump. I feel like I don't share values with either party now in a lot of ways when it comes to things like debt and spending. I, I've never felt more out of touch with either party in these, in those specific ways. I, you can't find a single Republican on a national level now to speak out against forcing insurance companies to cover people with pre-existing conditions. When that's like the entire reason healthcare costs are high. And we used to yell about it. And I, I just, I don't know, I'm done wasting my breath on some of this stuff, Ken. Well, when you're, when you're Senator Kelly, you can, uh, you can bring that bill up. Um, I, I mean, look, priorities change every, every time and and it's and it's almost amusing sometimes to watch the the sides change colors. It's like, had had Hillary Clinton won the 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 presidency but got a minority of the vote, we'd hear every single Republican complaining about the electoral college. Instead, it's every single Democrat. I mean, a lot of times they just, you know, every party that's been in power stops caring about the national debt. I've seen that my whole life. And the other part is, you're ruining America. America's children are crying because of the debt you're doing. And then they, they flip and the other guys start spending money. And then they're like, well, now we care about the children and the debt you're giving. It, it, you know. So some of that is just political expediency. But look look at how one man, look, look, four years ago, both parties were also like, oh, immigrants, yeah, they're fine. I mean, Democrats were like, yeah, yeah, bring them here. We know they're going to be Democratic voters. Republicans elected candidates down to a man and woman were like, oh, we don't want to look like we're racist. So no, we're, we, you know, don't talk about illegal immigration. One crazy dude comes down on an escalator and says, there's a lot of murders and rapists coming in there. And he single-handedly brought the Republican Party back on his side on that issue. What happened to that issue? Now, I'm not, look, I'm not saying Trump's been bad on it. Actually, he's been outstanding on it, and the Border Patrol guys say that. So I'm not, that was actually not a shot at Trump, but no one talks about it now. Is this just something totally out of the minds of Americans anymore? Well, ironically, it's out of the minds because the head of the Border Patrol uh, and, and Border Enforcement just got his Twitter page suspended because he said walls work. So it's out of their minds for that reason. You know, I think that when, when Americans feel like an issue is being taken care of, they scream about it less. So it's like, look, we all know the wall's not done yet, and he's working on it. And with the exception of Ann Coulter, who's just, you know, still standing up on, on tables and restaurants and screaming about this, you get the impression like, okay, I think he's got this handled, or at least it's moving in the right direction. So now let's scream about North Korea. Okay, now, now we're talking to North Korea. I mean, so, you know, we, we bitch and scream about things that where we want our side to, to, to hear. Look, I'll never forget when... Ronald Reagan was elected, it wiped out the entire kind of conservative direct mail industry because people were like, why do I need to keep sending my $10 into uh, conservative PAC dot whatever uh, because Reagan's got it, he's got it under control. So I, that's what I suspect is going on with the border border patrol or border issue is, is it's like, okay, next. Ken, uh, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, there just has not been a ton of foreign policy talk outside of COVID 
this entire presidential election. And similar to immigration, I can only assume that confirms what I've always thought is that Americans, and this is not an indictment on Americans, generally don't give a crap about things that happen outside of America. I mean, by any measure, Donald Trump's presidency, foreign policy-wise, has been the best of my life. If not, he's certainly on a short list. I mean, it's, un it's undeniable he's on a short list, and yet it's not featured at all. It's almost like the media doesn't want to talk about the foreign policy. They did not ask one foreign policy question in, in that second debate. The first debate, I don't know what they asked. Um, uh, yes, and look, it became big when we were when, when he was going to start the wars, remember? Oh my gosh, Donald Trump tweeted about the yeah. fat dictator in North Korea. We're going to all go to war! And then he's shaking hands with them, and, and they're, they're, they're blowing kisses across the table. Okay, that's off the table. The, you know, ISIS, they're, they're gathering steam. All right, he took the handcuffs off of the U.S. military. We killed a lot of guys, took some dirt naps in ISIS, and now they're disappeared, so the media and, and Americans don't care about that. Iran, they're going to get the bomb. Well, okay, the previous administration literally wrote, gave them a ton of cash, a, a physical plane filled with cash, and told them that they could get nuclear, nuclear power and nuclear weapons within X years, and this president tore that up. We were all going to go to war, remember? He, he killed Soleimani, who deserved to be resurrected and killed a few more times on my book. And we're all going to go to war on that. And then that didn't happen. So it's like every time they've looked and said this crazy person is is a nut job and is going to and then they would whip it up. He seemed to solve the problem. Remember when we were going to go to war in the Mideast because he, he moved the embassy to to Jerusalem, yes. something the last three presidents yes. had promised to do. And then all like, hey, sorry, Jewish voters, we're not doing that this year because it could destabilize, blah, blah, blah. blah. You know, they, they listen to the State Department. Those guys are all. They're all PhDs who are idiots, and they come in and explain how the world's gonna gonna blow up, and that didn't happen either. So, I think, you know, it's and then same with China. It's like you know that we were supposed to go to war with China, at least a trade war, and once once he had successes in these, and he's had success after success after success, that was just no longer an issue, and people don't talk about it, especially the media because they know it would help him. Does election fraud concern you legitimately? No, it kind of, I mean, if if states were doing this wholesale, we're, we're we're sending out ballots to all of this, which they're doing in California. Part of it is I've never seen it done on a big level, and and that doesn't mean it can't happen. I mean, I think it's something we need to watch and do. I've been involved in hundreds of of, of, of campaigns, and the other the losing side two out of three times says, well, you know, they stole the votes and they do that, and then they point down to relatively minor thing. I think we're going to see things in, in trash cans. I think we're going to see problems. And, and But I suspect looking at the overall all thing, I don't, I don't view it as a massive worry, but you have to be worried about it. I mean, I mean, look, some presidents have been president of the United States, like Lyndon Johnson and Kennedy, because of some shenanigans like that, especially when you look at states come down to you know, tens of thousands of votes here and there. In that sense, yes, it does, it does concern me, but you know, there's enough things to worry about right now. But we should pay attention. Ken, I, don't want, I don't want to minimize it too much. It doesn't keep me up at night. Ken McCourt, everybody. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Good seeing you, Jesse. We'll be back. I don't like the blank slate. Joe Biden is a blank slate. And even if he does hold some moderate reviews with, or, or views, which we don't know if he does anymore, but even if he does, 
Is he strong enough to hold off this nasty, vicious leftist movement in his own party? He's not, and you know he's not. And if he can't handle the job physically and mentally, which of course he can't, we get President Kamala Harris. It's time to think about that. I want you to take some time. I want you to think about Joe Biden's cabinet. What is it going to look like? Yeah. All right. We'll do it again sometime. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet, maybe they're animal smells, maybe you're a smoker or someone else was, just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours, I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code JESSE. Who is there for heroes or the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans? And who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran Programs comprise their In the Line of Duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. Over 80 walks, runs, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse.
Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash jesse to make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash jesse.